What's going to happen? What do you need to pay attention to? And what's the final score going to be? Zach Blackerby joins me for this week's crossover edition of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time now for a little Locked On crossover action. I'm Zach Blackerby with Locked On Auburn. Stephen Willis with Locked On Ole Miss. Stephen, this one's interesting, right? I mean, a lot of Auburn fans are kind of hoping that uh, that Ole Miss maybe puts Auburn out of their misery and in the Brian Harson era, which then it's interesting because rumors about Ole Miss's head coach. Really fascinating matchup, and the timing here is interesting. Yeah, it, it should be really interesting with the fact, with everything that's going on at Auburn, but Ole Miss has several storylines of their own that they're trying to build, potentially towards Atlanta, towards the end of the season. They're starting to see like hazy focuses of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so they're thinking that. It's a sold-out stadium. They are genuinely fired up for this game, and we know all the issues that Auburn's having, but the storyline for Ole Miss fans is going to be what could happen not necessarily what is happening. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, is there any concern there, Stephen, when, okay, Ole Miss, looking ahead, you and I talked earlier this week, uh, obviously when we weren't recording, about just the history between Auburn and Ole Miss. Even when Auburn has had lesser teams on paper, uh, they found ways to consistently beat Ole Miss. I mean, is that a factor here? Well, I think it's always a little bit of a factor. Like if if Ole Miss has an 80% win probability in this game, you need to go ahead and drop it down to 70 because you got to just basically put in, bake in that crazy stuff could happen. You go to Auburn last year with a team that won 10 regular season game, you're starting quarterback and all your wide receivers gets hurt. Weird things happen in this series. Against Auburn in 2020, there was the play where the returner touched the ball. Ole Miss recovered it and would have gone up 14. They ended up losing the game by 10. It would have been the game-winning play. But Ole Miss ended up losing that because an egregious, egregious official mistake. But A lot of so, weird fourth down situation yeah, calls in that one, too, by Lane yeah, Kiffin. It, there's just bizarre things that happen, Matt. This is just a weird game. It hasn't slanted in Ole Miss's direction very much um, over the last few years. But, I mean, this year, this is one of those games where if Ole Miss lost the game, it's not going to be viewed as favorable um, to the Ole Miss staff or anybody around. This is viewed in a way similar to where some years Vanderbilt is looked at by the fan base. Now, this is an insult. To, this isn't an insult to Auburn. It's mm-hmm. just you know, this is a, like a bottom third SEC team playing in Vault Hemingway Stadiums, and it's important that you play that team and not the logo on the helmet that's coming into the stadium. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know the the headline I mentioned going into this show, Stephen. And there's there's a reason why a lot of people say there's a chance that this is Brian Harson's last game coaching. At, as the Auburn head man, and we'll see if it happens. I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's going to. I think there is a feeling that it's either going to happen after, you know, of course, if Auburn loses to Ole Miss or, okay, maybe after the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. But there's 
there's so many rumors, right? And and you're hearing this. Uh, it's Paul Feinbaum's bringing it up, tying Lane Kiffin to potentially being one of the three, four, five names to watch if Auburn does move on from Brian Harson. What's the Ole Miss point of view on this? Come on, Lane Kiffin's not going to Auburn. Um, it's a situation where there's nothing Auburn really can offer, like legitimately offer. You can throw history and stuff that happened 10, 20 years back in there. And yes, if you add that on there, Auburn has some stuff to offer, but Ole Miss is 17 and three. They're paying um, Lane close to $8 million a year. They can go up to $10 million a year. Um, they have state-of-the-art facilities. More to, to, to folks that aren't coaching. Well, yeah, uh, that, that's another well, thing altogether. I mean, there's a... It, well, it, I think that's a plus if you're Lane Kiffin. I mean, the, the <laughs> best gig in the world is former Auburn head coach, right? So, there's about four of them right now. Gus on there. Are they still playing, paying Terry Bowden? <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it. No, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. And, and Stephen, I, I don't think it's Lane Kiffin. I, I don't think Auburn's I think next coach will be Lane Kiffin. I think it's, I think it's going to be Hugh Freeze. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think – no, no. I, I think Hugh Freeze is on the short list, and mm-hmm. we'll definitely see as more um, comes up after, uh, after Brian Harson's gone. I haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about that on the show, but it's going to be fun to see, and I just think the timing and the way it could line up um, it's always fun to be the team that ends an era for a head coach in, in the SEC, right? I mean, Auburn um, got to do that a few times with LSU, which I think is always fun to see. So we'll see if it happens with Ole Miss. Like I said, I don't think it's going to. I think they're going to keep him through the end of the season. But to me, that's the that's the biggest storyline. Something that, that you've talked about, though, building up to Atlanta, Stephen, mm-hmm. what do you want to see from Ole Miss as they hypothetically continue to build towards representing the SEC West in Atlanta? Because that's obviously the goal for these guys. Yeah, listen, every game they've gotten better offensively, from from Troy all the way up until Vanderbilt. Just Mm -hmm. pieces of the offense has improved for each time. Jackson Dart in the last game, other than two passes, played really well. I want to see that next step. I want to see... 25 of 32 passes with no interceptions. Now, I don't want to see necessarily 448 passing yards. Yeah. But I do want to see him be effective in the passing game because those weapons on the outside are going to cause teams to have to play the run game even differently. And Ole Miss is already at the point where if they can run the ball on you, it's over. I mean, you you have no chance because they can be so effective doing it. But if they get scared about receivers on the outside running past them to where safeties and defensive backs can't rush up to stop the run, this offense is officially a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when you look at, and we'll talk more specifically about matchups in a second, Stephen, but you talk about Ole Miss trying to take that next step in the passing game with Jackson Dart. That's really the thing Auburn does best. I mean, this Auburn team doesn't do a whole lot very well, but the pass defense, I think, is the strength, which is a little surprising because you lose an All-American and Roger McCreary to the NFL draft, but the corner play is started a little rocky. I think corner is definitely a position of strength for this Auburn defense. I think the safeties and defensive backs have been pretty good. I think Ole Miss is going to run it. I think they're going to run it, run it, run it, and then, of course, that'll open up the pass as it will in any offense, but... um. I'm, I'd be a little surprised, Stephen, if they threw it first before establishing the run. 
I think they will run the ball first. Um, I think yeah. it'll look real similar to that Vanderbilt game that Ole Miss played this, played this past weekend. And that was just Vanderbilt. They sold out to stop the run. Auburn knows they have to stop the run. And then in the second half, the pass opened up. And then the big plays just came. Um, yeah. But Auburn's a better defensive team than Vanderbilt, so it won't be three one-play drives like it was up in Nashville. But it could be a similar type game plan situation on the offensive side of the ball right all right coming up we're going to talk about some of these matchups maybe the most hyped up player for Ole Miss over the course of the offseason versus maybe the most underperforming Auburn Tiger we'll touch on that in just a moment on this locked on crossover edition locked on Auburn locked on Ole Miss but first things first even we got to talk about our friends at bet online you've got it down there in the graphic Old Miss favored by 14 and a half points. This feels right to me. I think this is a good number set by our friends at Bet Online. Yeah, this is a line that I don't know if I would touch. It looks like it's about right. Um, so, yeah. it, you know, a couple of points below, a couple of points above it, and there's not really too much complaining that can happen. I think, I think they got this one about right. Yeah, I, I think if it was creeping up to 17, that's where I kind of get a little bit more of, okay, you know, maybe – Maybe Auburn can cover here, but right now I'm kind of leaning towards an Ole Miss, um, Ole Miss winning in Vegas. But we'll get to our official predictions later in the show. The over/under at 55 and a half at Bet Online actually seems a little high to me. Yeah, other than that Vanderbilt game, Ole Miss has been an under machine this year, and mm-hmm. um, and I, you just can't take the over yet. Now against Vandy, they showed signs of life offensively, but I don't think they're going to put up 52 points or some crazy thing against Auburn. So it all comes down to can Auburn score over 20 is, is kind of the realm that I think we're dealing with. And, and I don't know if they can. Well, they haven't. They haven't yeah. so far. So we'll see. We'll see. And stay tuned for our, our official predictions later in this crossover. But, hey, if either of these lines are attractive to you, check them out. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, I teed it up. I teed up your prediction, Stephen. Give, uh, give us the matchup. That, uh, that you are watching in this one. Yeah, the big thing um, that I'm looking at is Zach Evans against, I think it's Owen Popoe. That is the lineup. If if Auburn can stop the run, or at least slow it down, they haven't really stopped the run this year, but if they can slow it down, they have a chance to make this a slog of a game. And that's what Auburn needs offensively. They need this thing to be 20-17, to 17, 17-14, to 14, and the way that you start to do that is by clogging up the running lanes with Ole Miss. Like I said, if Ole Miss can run the ball, this thing could get ugly, and it could get ugly fairly early. So it's going to come down to that matchup, I think, even not necessarily him and Zach Evans, but maybe him and Quinshawn Judkins, basically him in the running back position. Yeah, yeah. I think you could even zoom this out a little bit and say Ole Miss running game versus Auburn linebackers, right? Mm-hmm. Auburn's linebackers have been – terrible awful they've been absolutely awful I, I don't know how much value you put in pro football focus grade steven but if you do owen papo has been awful uh he was the worst defender he scored like a 32 last week if i recall correctly obviously not good and this is a guy that surprised some folks coming back from last year to this year second year in a row he's been voted as a team captain by his peers so he's well respected in the locker room he's an athletic freak 
But for whatever reason, he's been consistently out of position. Auburn lost to Kobe McLean. Uh, he left and declared for the NFL draft. And we all kind of thought they were a tandem. And now in hindsight, it kind of looks like Zacoby was carrying that room. So they've been rotating guys in, some of it by necessity, some of it because they, they want to get Wesley Steiner more reps. But Cam Riley's the number two guy. Wesley Steiner's the number three linebacker. And they've all been okay at best, very inconsistent. And so Zach Evans, obviously his talent speaks for himself, the former TCU transfer. And then the thing that may hurt a little bit extra on Saturday, Quinchon Judkins, this is a guy that begged Auburn to take him. He wanted to come to Auburn so bad, but this coaching staff's like, no, we already got Damari Austin. Let's kind of see who else we've got, uh, and maybe we can get another running back that's better than you. And spoiler, they didn't, and he has been absolutely incredible to watch. Yeah, the the kid runs so angry. You just look at him, he's like, this guy's 18 years old because he looks like a junior, like Cadillac yeah. Williams out there running around at tailback. And uh, th- thank you guys. I, I need to send Brian Harson a thank you note for that one. Yeah, you guys got him. You guys got Ladarius Tennyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, JJ all, all kinds of there. That's right, JJ Pegues. Gosh, mm-hmm. that's that that's a crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um, the the matchup I'm watching, and this may be a little obvious, just because it's been really the weakness of this Auburn team as a whole. When you kind of list out everything, um, the Auburn offensive line versus the Ole Miss defensive line. I saw you tweeting about it a little bit earlier this mm-hmm. week, and you talked about it a little bit on your show, Locked On Ole Miss earlier in the week. Just it's a mismatch issue just because they've been historically bad, Steven. And I don't think it's fully a talent thing. They're just, there's plays where they're just letting free guys go and pursue Robbie Ashford or, or tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter carrying the ball in the backfield. This is going to be a major problem for Auburn. I don't think Ole Miss's defensive front is great, but uh, neither was Missouri's and, and they couldn't do anything. And that was a few injuries ago. May I add? Yeah. Georgia, it was a weird situation because there was one play that popped up all over Twitter and basically four Auburn offensive linemen slid over and blocked one person and turned two players free. And I don't know how that happened. There's one person that's getting blocked by four guys and you look at it and you just wonder how that can happen. It, yeah. It's just, it's, it's a schematic problem, honestly, I think. I mean, yeah. they're not doing their slide protections right. They're not doing like, some of their combo blocking right and their pass protection. Ole Miss has a bunch of stuff that even on a pass play, they might pull two offensive linemen or do something crazy. I don't think Auburn can do something like that. I don't think it would even come close to coming off right now. No, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. So, are you, I mean, are you expecting the Auburn offensive line to do anything, or do you think this has a chance to be a three- or four-sack day for the Ole Miss pass rush? And – maybe another limited day running the ball for Auburn. What, I mean, what, what are your expectations here for this one? If I was Chris Partridge, one thing I would do is I would send six pretty much every play on early downs and just clog up all the holes and just completely take away the run game and force Robbie Ashford to beat you. And yeah. the way that this offensive line is blocking – there's a good chance if you send six, two of them are going to be free, which will turn into a wild scramble drill. Robbie Ashford, yes, will make you pay a couple of times, but you're probably going to get home more times than you're not. And I figure that 
if you can get Auburn in third and six to ten, not even extended yardage, third and six to ten, if you do that, they're probably going to convert the first down 15 to 20% less than the average team. So if you do that, it, you're going to put yourself in a very advantageous position because there's always the chance that, like, Jackson Dart on offense, while he's growing, he throws Auburn a couple of balls. He, you know, that, that could happen. You could give them short fields. So it's going to be important that you kind of take away and constrict Auburn's really want to, what they really want to do, and that's hand the ball off to allegedly Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter sure. and, and make hay that way. If you can take that away and force Robbie Ashford to be the guy that beats you, I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'm there with you. How has it been for Ole Miss home games this year as far as, like, forcing is a weird word to say forcing, but the visiting team having false start penalties? The reason I ask is that was a major issue. Auburn's first road game of the season was last week in Georgia. Obviously, that's a tough place to play. There was some maybe some first road jitters, but it's weird because Auburn is jumping off sides at a crazy amount, had 10 penalties, and it's by the older guys. It's by the veterans. It's by these super seniors that chose to come back for their last year of eligibility. Has that been an issue or something that you've seen um, over the course of the season? Vault Hemingway is kind of a notoriously quiet stadium, but I say that to mm -hmm. say this. Against Kentucky, the play before Will Levis fumbled the ball and Ole Miss recovered and the guy danced with the belly, there was a false start. The crowd forced a false start on a play that they threw a fade, caught, and it was going to be the winning touchdown for Kentucky. That got called back. The penalty got set off the next play with a sack caused fumble, and Ole Miss was able to seal that game. Um, so it can get that, especially in certain areas of the field, especially inside the 10, 15-yard lines. Um, they're going to be very difficult. If you're at midfield, you're probably not going to have that much problem because for whatever reason, when the stadium was built, this goes for Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville, but they have those dang bells to help them out. They're which, built in. Which in, is in, stupid, in, by the way. Yeah, Can we all yeah. agree that that's stupid? Oh, it is terrible. At Ole Miss, we um, confiscate them before the game and melt them down. Um, I love that. Yeah. But there's a noise problem with the way those were built. At Auburn, you guys are built similarly the way Williams Bryce was built, those, those type stadiums. And they are much better at holding in the noise for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. The noise just kind of escapes at Davis Wade and um, Vault Hemingway. But whenever that place gets rowdy and whenever it gets loud, it can be a thing. But we're, you're not going into Tiger Stadium or anything like that if you're asking. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. All right, let's make our official picks in just a moment on this crossover edition, Locked on Ole Miss, Locked on Auburn. I think it's time. We talked about it with our bet online read. We both agree that 14 and a half is, is a good line. So I think there's a pretty good feel of, of where we're both going with this. But, Stephen, you and I talked about this on the radio briefly yesterday. I think it's going to be close for two and a half quarters. I think it's going to be a, a one-score game for the majority of the game. And then I think there's a real chance the dam breaks. We saw it last week with Auburn when Stetson Bennett busted a 64-yard run. And Ole Miss has a bunch of different folks. We mentioned the two running backs. We mentioned Jackson Dart. I think there's a bunch of different big play potential guys on this offense. I think something like that happens again, and then I think it's going to be off to the races for Ole Miss. 
Yeah, I, I, one thing to pay attention to if anybody's watching this, Michael Trigg is out and will be out for probably the next four or five weeks to the end of the season, out for the year. Tight end, the, right? The tight end. Um, okay. He hasn't been very effective. He's been a little bit of a goal line weapon, but this is how it could affect Auburn this weekend. There's a chance Ole Miss is going to start running some 20 personnel packages. And by 20 personnel, I mean two running backs, no tight ends. So Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans on the field at the same time. And you're going to see them used in the pass game some. You're going to see them used in different ways. I think this is the logical next step. Casey Kelly is the next man up at tight end. Um, but I, I think that is um, something that could happen. And it could make them pretty scary offensively. Um, with those guys with their hands on the ball, but with them, one person going out on a pass route, the other person taking the play action on RPO. So it's a pick your poison type situation. Yeah, and once again, that's putting pressure on what position? The mm. Auburn linebackers, which which I think has been a major weakness. And so if I'm Lane Kiffin studying this Auburn defense, why wouldn't you go after the weakest link? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and Lane Kiffin, one thing he does is he is going to run something until you stop it. And yeah. then he's going to do something else. He's not going to change for the sake of change. He's going to do something that's working over and over and over again. That's the reason receivers like Amari Cooper had like 16 catch games. It's because nobody could cover him. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stop it. You know what we're doing? Cool, stop it. No, totally. And why wouldn't you do that? Um, another thing Lane Kiffin does is he likes to troll, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, you informed me and educated me earlier in the week. JJ Pegues, he's in sometimes in like goal line or heavy sets mm -hmm. as a lead blocker. Mm -hmm. Any chance they give him the ball in a in a in a short situation to potentially score against his former team? Possibly, but what I what I would look for if they get in goal line is a yeah. play action pass to Quinshawn Judkins where they run him out for a pass route in the corner of the end zone. Have that, oh, okay. I got you. That, yeah, that that's probably more likely. Yeah. We saw him do that and be on the receiving end from uh, from Bo Nix a little bit um, earlier in his mm -hmm. career. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, what else are you specifically watching? I know, I know we both think uh, Ole Miss is going to win by multiple scores, but is there anything in your mind that could happen where Auburn could pull off this upset? To me, it, it, it's can, can if Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter can get the running game going, um, and that's more on the offensive line than it is the running backs. But we'll see if they're able to do that. That, to me, is, is really the only way Auburn can pull off this upset. Yeah, the thing that everybody needs to look at is Auburn is consistently getting third and two, third and three. Very manageable things where the run game doesn't have to get taken off the table. Now, Ole Miss is, runs a 3-2-6. It's a version of the John Haycock defense from Iowa State. That defense's weakness is what I like to call murder ball. And if Auburn fans would be familiar with that because that's what Nick Saban ran with Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson and those guys. Mm -hmm. Just straight murder ball. They will hand it over and over and over again and just bust you into submission. Well, there's only three defensive linemen and two linebackers in this defense. The rest are DBs. So whenever Ole Miss lost to Auburn last year playing this defense, it was when Mike Bobo was turning around handing the ball to Tank Bigsby getting them sure. in manageable third-down positions, and they were able to build a little bit of a lead until they could adjust to it. Now, this team has a little bit more talent than they had last year defensively. They went out to the crazy in the transfer portal, and teams have consistently tried to play murder ball against Ole Miss, 
and they haven't been able to do it yet. Jarquez Hunter, Tank Bigsby, them and the Arkansas running backs are probably the two teams left on the schedule that can actually do that. So we will see what this defense can do against Auburn's running game and that murder ball. Because I think Brian Harson's going to hand the ball off. You're going to see Tank Bigsby get the ball 20 times. You're going to see Jarquez Hunter get the ball 20 times. And they're going to try and throw the ball with Robbie Ashford as little as possible. I think that's the game plan for Auburn. But that is also, if it works, Auburn's best chance to win this game. Yeah, we'll see if it happens. Steven, for Auburn folks tuning in, whether they're listening or watching, what's the best way for them to kind of peek behind enemy lines this week? Oh, yeah, we're doing shows all week. Um, even some perspectives coming in from Chris Gordy is going to preview the game Saturday morning. Uh, we have this crossover. It's going to be up. I've talked about it all week. It's on the Locked On Ole Miss YouTube channel. Tune in for that. You can follow me at the Stephen Willis on Twitter. I tweet about all kinds of useless information. And they, of course, it's available wherever you get your podcast. So, yeah, um, yep. tune and in. And then, uh, of course, uh, the Ole Miss folks, if you want to peek behind enemy lines, mm-hmm. it's sad over here, but always interesting over at Locked on Auburn. For yes. Stephen Willis and Zach Blackerby, this has been a Locked on Crossover Edition for Locked on Ole Miss and Locked on Auburn.